you know who's the greatest comedian in the Bible? Samson. He brought the whole house down. He, he, he told me this joke. I found this joke. He said it himself. He said, you know, on the ark, the cows gave Noah milk. Well, what did the ducks give Noah? Quackers. All right. Let's pray. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the privilege to come up here and to share your word and what you've laid on my heart. Thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit and and just the privilege to let him work through me. And I pray that you would open up these scriptures to the hearts of the people that are here. If anyone is not saved, that they would that they would trust in you as their personal savior, that they would that they would believe with all their heart that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. And that's the only way to get to heaven. It's not of themselves, but it's only of you. And I pray that we can learn uh, from the scriptures these these truths that I want to talk about and the lies that come with them. And I pray that that only truth would come out of my mouth and only the things that you want me to say would be said. I praise your name. Amen. All right. So the title of of this sermon today is called The Truth About Scriptures. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. So everyone turn to Daniel chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, this Bible should be in front of you. It's black. Please follow along. It'll make, make it even better. So it's one thing to read Scripture and another to read the truth in the Scripture. We live in a world where people take parts of Scripture and make little memes and post them on Twitter or Instagram or put them on T-shirts saying, if you just trust in God, $100 bills are going to fall from the sky. Without any regard to context and truth behind the situations that, are br- that brought about these words and philosophies, the Word of God is thrown around for anyone to come up with their own idea about what it means. So today, we're going to look at four truths found in Daniel chapter 3. But before we get to Daniel chapter 3, I'm going to summarize Daniel chapter 1 and 2 before we start reading. So, Daniel chapter 1, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, invades Jerusalem. He takes some of the young Judean nobles, some of which are Daniel and his companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They're given the Babylonian names Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They become the king's wise men. But when Nebuchadnezzar has a dream no one else can answer, he sentences them all to death. But when Daniel hears of this, he asks to delay their execution so he can ask God for an answer. God gives Daniel an explanation of the dream. The king dreams of a large statue made of four metals being destroyed by a rock that then turns into a mountain. This represents the kingdoms that will be crushed by gods. There's a head of gold. That head of gold represents Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Um, And then it goes down to other metals that represent other nations. So when Daniel reveals this to him, he's amazed. Uh, he promotes Daniel to ruler over all the provinces of Babylon. Daniel then petitions the king, and he sets Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the, of the province of Babylon, while Daniel sat at the gate of the king, which brings us to Daniel chapter 3. 
Daniel chapter 3, please read along with me. I'm going to read verse 1 through 7. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the providence of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at the time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre in symphony with all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So let's pause there. King Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylonians, he makes a big gold statue in the plain of Dura. I'm not sure where... We're not sure exactly where the plain of Dura is. There is a place over there in the Middle East called the plain of Dura. We're not sure if that's the same place. But the name seems to imply a great open area where large numbers could convene for the homage which the king had demanded his people to give. Notice how the text repeats who was invited. It's making a big deal about it. The satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for this dedication. So anyone who is anyone had to be there. It's making a big deal about this. Finally, once everyone was there, King Nebuchadnezzar gives them a choice. Worship the image I have made or die. As if there's a real decision. Which brings us to our first truth. Truth number one. Decisions, decisions to remain faithful to God are always life and death. Now you might be thinking, Josh, you need to lighten up a little bit. Life and death? Every everyone? I'm not talking about decisions that we make to what what to wear in the morning or whether to eat raisin bran crunch or Cheerios for breakfast. I'm talking about the decision between what is right and what is wrong. It's always a life and death decision. For example, when Adam and Eve in the garden, it was between obeying God or eating a fruit that God said would kill you. We know how that turned out. They didn't die right then and there, but now we live in a fallen world where death and disease is a part of life. Before, it wasn't. For the Jews held in Babylon, the decision was this. Be faithful to God or burn alive. For Christians today, however, it's not any different. We either obey what God has told us and follow in his footsteps of Jesus and his apostles, or conform to the world, which is the way to death. 
Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So anything contrary to the nature and character of Christ is sin. It's death. The lie that Satan tries to feed us is this. Satan says, God didn't really say that. It's Satan's oldest trick in the book. He's always trying to twist what God's saying. Even at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, he looked at Adam and Eve. He said, surely God didn't really mean you would die if you eat that forbidden fruit. No, God, God doesn't want you to eat that because he knows that when you do, your eyes will be opened and you'll know the knowledge of good and evil like him. He, he twists God's word and he fools Adam and Eve. And today, Satan's tactics haven't, haven't changed. He twists the meaning of scripture. He takes scripture like Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is saying, apart from Christ, I am nothing. And only God can help me get through hard times. God is the only place to turn to when things get rough. My way leads to, detru- to destruction, but his way is life. That is what that scripture means. But t- Satan, he takes that. He turns it into this. I can do anything I want in the name of the Lord. I can do anything I want in the name of God. God's going to give me the strength because I'm a Christian. I believe in God. That's Satan's twist. But don't listen to what don't listen to that twisted truth. It's a lie. Let's go on to let's go back to Daniel chapter three verse eight. Therefore at the time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, Lyre and psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever doesn't fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Now there's certain, certain Jews whom you've set over the affairs of providence of Babylon, not trying to name anyone, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve the, guard, serve the gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music... And you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And get what he says. He says, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Let's just keep that in the back of the mind, in the back of your mind, and let's let's talk about this this part of scripture. King Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't a fool. He may have already forgotten that the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was the one who interpreted his dream that haunted him. But he wasn't naive. He made them prove with actions who their worship, 
their service belonged to. This isn't the first time King Nebuchadnezzar did this. In chapter 2, verse 5, 5 and 6 and 9, let's Let's look at that, 5, 6, 9. He said, uh, The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me the gift, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. In verse 9, he says, If you do not make the Make known the dream to me. There is only one decree for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. He knows, in in chapter 9, he knows that they have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words to him. If King Nebuchadnezzar told these men his dream, he knew they would just come up with whatever they wanted, so they could spare their lives. They could save themselves. So he said, no, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You have to tell me what my dream was and give me the interpretation because I know you're going to lie to me if I just give you the dream. So obviously no one could do it. That's why Daniel had to go to God and, and consult God on this matter because only God can can interpret his own his own things that, that he gave to Nebuchadnezzar. Only God could interpret it. So just like in in there, Nebuchadnezzar, he's he's not a fool. He says, I'm not going to ask you where your worship is because you might lie to me. I'm going to make you show me where your worship, where your service belongs to. So he says in 15, he says, Now if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So with that brings us to truth number two. That faith without works is dead. James chapter 2, verse 18 through 26 says this, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works, not faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the message and sent them out another way? When she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Even King Nebuchadnezzar knew that faith without works is dead. He was challenging God for the worship of his own people. At that moment, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to make a decision to either worship God or to worship King Nebuchadnezzar. To say, 
Nebuchadnezzar, we adore you. We owe you our honor. We revere you. We, you are sacred. We give you the glory. Or to say, God, we adore you. To you, God, we owe our honor. We revere you. You are the sacred one, O oh God. And to you alone belongs all the glory. And that brings us to verse 15. What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? What God can protect you from me? King Nebuchadnezzar challenges God. Now, if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't have responded the way they did. What God can protect you from me? Excuse me, let me tell you something about my God the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, Abba Father, Ancient of Days, the author of life, chief cornerstone, the consuming fire. He is the creator God. He is the deliverer, the mighty God, the most high, everlasting, house of defense, Jehovah, judge of the earth, king of kings and lord of lords, line of Judah, majesty on high, rock of my strength, God of mercy, God of life, God of knowledge, God of the living, the God that cannot lie. He is my hope. He is my help. He is my light. He is my love, my refuge, my redeemer. He is my rock. He is the great I am. That is who will deliver you, deliver me from your hand. And a lie that Satan is trying to feed, feed you is this, that once you're saved, that's it. Your life doesn't need to change. Just come to church on Sunday and you're good. And the rest of your week is yours. No. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's look at verse 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. But listen to the way they said this. He said, God is able. He will deliver, but if not. Which brings us to truth number three. We must hold on to our hopes with open hands. Psalm 37, 5 says, Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Our hope is in the Lord. Hope with all of your heart. But to survive the waves of disappointment, we must hold on to our hopes with open hands. You cannot have, you cannot have disappointment without hope. The truth is that we live in a Genesis 3 world. We live in a fallen world, and bad things happen to good people. If you're a talented baller, and someday you want to go, to, go pro, good. Do it for the Lord and His glory. But hold on to that hope. Hold on to that dream with open hands. If you want to raise a family and have a beautiful wife and a nice house, power to you. But hold that hope with open hands. You pray for a healthy life, good. Hold it with an open hand. 
Because the lie that Satan is trying to feed us, the lie that Satan is trying to tell us, is the world has convinced us that my life is mine and I can do or be whatever I want. No. You were bought with a price and you were called to a life like Christ. You were not called to an American life. You were not even called to an American Christian life. You were called to an apostolic life. 1 Corinthians 4.16 says, Paul is telling us, Therefore I urge you, imitate me. Paul was hated. Imitate me. It's okay to be hated if you're hated for the right reasons. Our life, our lives were bought out by God when his son died on the cross. We're not all-knowing. God is. And he knows what's best for our lives. Daniel chapter 3, verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their trousers, their turbans and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loosed walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his frustrate and, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. So King Nebuchadnezzar was embarrassed. We see in verse 27 that the satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the kings, the counselors were gathered. He was embarrassed. How dare these three men challenge me in front of them? I have set these, these men over the providences of Babylon, my kingdom, and this is how they, re, how, this is how they repay me? He says, turn up the heat. It's time to see what their God is made of. 
He gets Hans and Franz to tie these guys up and make sure they cannot escape. They are not going to embarrass me again. They are going in that fire. Which brings us to truth number four. That all who take a stand for God will go through fire. Your fire may be literal. It may be another form of martyrdom. It may be persecution. It may be financial. It may be God won't let you do the only thing you have ever dreamed of. Let me explain. King David in 1 Chronicles 28 says, King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart, in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. And and I even made preparations to build it. But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. Now wait a minute. Who sent David into battle? God did. Think of the PTSD David must have had from the thousands of men that he killed at point blank range at the end of a sword. And now his heart's desire, he yearns for to be in the presence of the Lord. The one thing he wants is to build a house of rest for God's ark. And God says, no, you're a man of war. You cannot build my temple of rest. John the Baptist, Matthew 11, he says, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison, John was in prison, about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The leopards are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not, not offended because of me. This seems like good news. Jesus is the Messiah. But Jesus leaves out one part. See, Jesus quotes Isaiah right there. And John the Baptist, he knows his Bible. He he was the one prophesied who would come before Jesus and make the way. John knows this. John suffered for Christ. He ate honey and locusts. What better man to be alongside Jesus during his ministry than John the Baptist? But that was not God's plan. See, Jesus leaves out an important part that Isaiah talked about in his prophecies. He talked... He, he, He never mentioned the part about the prisoners being set free. So here's what Jesus is saying to John. I am the coming one, but you're going to have to die in prison. Guys, Moses never made it to the promised land. John 16.33 says this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy 2.3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Matthew 10.16, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. 
Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Sheep in the midst of wolves. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The lie is that if you trust God, he will give you what you want. But let's be honest with ourselves. No one wants to go through trials and hard times. No one wants to be persecuted. But the truth is, Christians will meet opposition. So I leave you with a warning. That there is a point in which God will give you over to your lusts. Romans 1 24 says, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. 26 says, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even the women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. There comes a point where it's too late. And there also comes a point when God, when Jesus will come back and it will be too late for you to believe. See, Jesus died on the cross for us. For what reason? So that we could spend eternity in heaven. But how does that work? God legally paid our fine. He shed his blood. His life was payment. It was, it was our fine and he paid it with his life. So, so what? So that we could live in, with him in heaven for eternity. And if you don't believe that, there will be a time when Jesus comes back, the trumpets will sound, and it will be too late. And there will be a time when, 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 people, when, when some people will be in, stuck in such sin, and they just keep doing it over and over again, and God will give them over to their debased mind. He will give them over to their lusts. And it will be too late. 